20 years ago. If, uh, if I figured it out right, unfortunately there's a, there's a small chance I could be off by a year. But 20 years ago, I felt an attraction that forever changed my life. 20 years ago this spring, I saw my wife for the first time. And it was a good, good day. I went with her to Two Rivers Baptist Church to watch a live nativity, uh, live nativity play. Uh, my sister had told me that there was a girl that I needed to meet who was coming down from Kentucky to college and that I should meet her and uh, get to know her. When I saw Laura, I thought, now I know in today's world, I don't know if this is politically correct, I don't know if this is going to be in trouble, I'm just being transparent and honest. When I saw Laura, I thought, I didn't know my sister had friends this hot. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. Uh, it was awkward. Church, I mean, it wasn't really a date, but it kind of, you know, we were, I mean, but the purpose was to see, like, hey, you know, what do you think about this girl and stuff? Church dates are awkward, man. They're awkward. And it's been 20 years, but they're awkward because you know that if you've been raised in church like I have or, or, or Jesus has changed you. And by that point in college, Jesus had really done some powerful things in my life. And uh, you know when you're at church, right? I mean, Carrie's a preacher. He knows this. You're supposed to be thinking about Jesus. But on that date, all I could keep thinking is, this girl is hot. Wait. Wait, focus on Jesus. Man, she smells good, Lord. How? Church dates are awkward. And for some of you, it's been a long time since you've gone on a church date. So hopefully if this will play, if it doesn't, I'll pop right back up. But I want you to watch this to remember what it's like to go on that first church date. Let's see if this will work. Hmm, well, back row. I wonder if he's got something to hide. I don't know how to respond in worship. Should I just, like, be chill? I'm not sure. I wish you would just go all out in worship. Yeah, I'm just gonna chill. I don't know what her tradition is. Okay, I'm gonna let him lead. I'm not gonna raise my hands unless he does. Oh, yes! Oh, I love this song. Wait, are his eyes open? Is he looking at the screens? Who doesn't know the words to oceans? Oh, no, is he crossing his arms? Maybe he's not into it. I wonder if he's upset about something. Oh, it's time for the tithes and offerings. I don't know, I shouldn't have to tithe, I'm a guest. I don't know, maybe I'll just put in 20 bucks. 20 bucks? How cheap is he? Wait, 10% of 20 bucks is like, does he make $200 a week? Oh, this isn't gonna work out. Oh, baby dedication, really? Oh, I love babies. We're gonna have five. Man, I'm really into this sermon. Oh, she moved forward. Maybe I should put my arm on the back of the chair. Wait, I think he just put his arm on my chair. If I move back, it's like his arm is around me. Oh, I love this. I feel so safe. I can tell this is really hitting home with him. He's really responding to this. I wonder what the score of the game is. Oh, he's got his eyes closed. The Holy Spirit must be really working in his life. I shouldn't have eaten that burrito for breakfast. I love having a new boyfriend. I hope people don't think we're dating. Oh, he's taking notes. Do not give yourselves over to lust. Oh, great. I wonder if he has a problem. Oh, my phone's vibrating. Let me just check it, like, real quick. Oh, he's getting his phone out. I bet he's looking up scripture on the Bible app. 
ESPN? Really? This is really hitting home with me. What, is she crying right now? Oh man, where's a, I gotta find some Kleenex. I, you know what, I'll just wait in the lobby. So church, church dating can be uh, a little bit, a little bit awkward because you're thinking all these things uh, in your mind, other than what you're really, really supposed to be there to focus on. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that, and it's called attraction. And most people find themselves at some point in their lives strongly attracted to the opposite sex. When children are small, they typically divide up and play. Uh, with children of their own sex. We've seen this in the lives of both our boys, what happened at preschool. It was a preschool um, with, with both sexes there, both male and female there. And yet when I would go to pick Ethan up and Owen, when you would go to do this and they're on the playground, they, they like the girls, they're friends with the girls, uh, they would play with them, but most often they were with children of the same sex. Nobody told them to do that at the preschool. Nobody said you had to do that. That's just sort of what happened. And that typically is what happens among children if you just kind of let things play out. They will do that. And then around fourth grade, around fourth grade, something begins to change. According to uh, psychologists and people that I read this week, they said around fourth grade that boys and girls start to flirt with one another and start to express attraction towards one another, but they do it as a form of dislike. So around fourth grade, boys and girls, typically around that age, they start to have an attraction towards one another, but they express it as dislike. So I'm going to tell you just a very brief story of how I saw this last week. And Robbie, if you say anything to anybody at all good, I'm going to shoot you, okay? All right, I'm not going to trust Randall with this, but Robbie, you've got to be quiet. So this past week, I took Ethan and Owen on Monday to Allgood to go watch a middle school basketball game. And I went to the game, and Ethan and Owen and I were sitting at the very top in the middle beside Ronnie and Frida Stout from our church. As the game was going on, I saw two girls walk in the gym that I knew were friends of Ethan's. I looked over at Ethan, and a smile began to break out on his face. He didn't say a word. He didn't, uh, he, I mean, he didn't really want me to see that he was even smiling, but he started to smile. And I watched as one of these two girls that I knew, I know, they, I know they're in the same class, and, and, and they're, they play basketball like Ethan does, and there's a lot of connections. I watched as one girl looked, at the, looked up at the, where we were sitting the whole time looking at Ethan, And she was smiling too, and I thought to myself, how is she going to get from one end of the gym to the other? And they just looked at each other, and they smiled. I kind of chuckled in my heart. made me kind of glad. It was kind of an enjoyable moment as a parent. But later on, when the boys' game started, Ethan and Owen went out in the hallway at All Good Middle, uh, Middle School, went out in the hallway with this group of girls and some other girls, and there was at least one other boy. They went out in the hallway. And I could see them from time to time where I was sitting. I was watching the game. Time to time, I could, I could, somebody would open the door, and I could see them out in the hallway playing. And they were having a great time, wonderful time. Ball game ends. Ethan and Owen come to me. We walk out the doors to walk to our car, and I go, Ethan, buddy, did you have a good time uh, playing with the girls? I hate those girls, Dad. 
He literally, and I said, what? I said, Ethan, what, what happened? He goes, Dad, we were out in the hallway playing, and Logan Curry's mom came out there, and she said, you all are being entirely too loud. And the girls said, it's the boys, it's the boys. They lied, Dad. It was the girls being loud the whole time. I said, well, son, it's okay. They're, they're your friends. And he goes, no. They started doing this at school. They blame us for everything. You don't understand, Dad. Now, Tanner, the first part of your life, your child will say, Dad, to you with love and warmth. Then the day will come when he's attracted to a girl and doesn't know how to express it, and he's going to say, Dad, to you like you're an idiot, like you've never been through this before. Dad. I chuckled. We walked to the car. Because I'd seen him out in the hallway playing having a great time. The very next day, pick him up from school. I said, you work everything out with, with the girls? And he says, oh, yeah, we're good. We're, we're good. Fourth grade, children express attraction as a form of dislike. But between fifth grade and ninth grade, like more like fifth and sixth typically, but definitely by ninth, something happens. Something happens. And I have a really technical term for you. What happens is the day. Can you say the day? we got to do better. Say the day. I know some of you hadn't been on a date in years, and you're really nervous about this sermon today, all right? So just sit tight. The day. The day is when you get up, and you brush your teeth, and you fix your hair, and you get ready to do what you've always done. You go to school, or you go to a game, or you go to, or you, or you go to band practice, or you go to church, and everything is like it typically is. But on that day, you go, and you see a person of the opposite sex, and your life is never, ever the same. It's never the same. People around you begin to notice the differences. You yourself, you don't know how to, you don't know how to express it, but you yourself know that something is happening. It is the day where attraction moves from expressing itself, flirtation moves from expressing itself as dislike, into you start realizing, I, I want to do something to actually let this person know that I like them. I like them. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say about attraction? And some of it, honestly, I think is shocking to us. The reason it's shocking is because in the New Testament, particularly the Apostle Paul, he's having to teach believers how to live in a pagan culture. He's having to, he's having to teach believers how to, how to live in a world, and, and many of them are coming out of a world where you would just go to a temple if you wanted to, if you were a male, you would just pay money and have sex with whoever was there, and they would call it worship to a goddess. This was all over the Roman Empire. Girls often, if you went into debt or didn't have money, they would, they, would, they would sell their daughters into this sort of temple prostitution. All types of wickedness and evil. So the Apostle Paul in his letters, he has to really hone in on, we don't live like that. We don't treat people like that. They're not objects that we do this with. They're made in the image of God. And so the Apostle Paul in his letters, he's got to write and encourage and tell them, you can, through the power of Christ, leave this whole sinful system that is going on and live into this new kingdom that God has for us. And here practically is what that's going to look like. But if we only read the New Testament, and we don't go back to the Old Testament and see, and there's things in the New Testament as well, by the way, but definitely in the Old, there are some things that God wants us to know about the goodness of being attracted to someone else. Now, if you think about it, before we read our text, it's sort of just kind of like, well, duh. God 
made all of us. So don't you think that God makes things that are attractive and good? If God makes good things, say amen. Then it should not shock us when the day happens and we see another person that God has made and we find ourselves attracted to what the Creator created. Attraction. Now here is the thing. And here's what we need to know. Why God made us to be attracted to each other, and it is a good thing that attraction grabs hold of us. The Bible has some things to teach us in this fallen world, in this world where the devil seeks to corrupt attraction and do evil with it. There are some things the Bible wants us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt about beauty and about attraction. So we're going to start with a really strong statement from the Bible that you might not know is there that talks about the goodness of attraction, extols the goodness of attraction, and then we're going to look at other principles the Bible wants you to keep in mind as you think about being attracted to someone else. So this is really good for single folks that are here, but honestly there's a lot in here that's going to be good for all of us because all of God's Word is for all of us. So I want you to go to what I like to call, and by the way, in my notes, this is in all caps, so let you know like this is a really big, big thing here. I want us to go to the forbidden book of the Bible. Go to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Song of Solomon. And I want us to see an example of strong, passionate attraction between a man and a woman. And since most of our relationships, most of us didn't get married through arranged marriages and we're not functioning in that kind of world, we live in a world where strong attraction is typically what initially draws us to someone else. So this book of the Bible that starts with a passionate, strong attraction between a man and a woman is really good for us to think about because that's where a lot of our relationships uh, began where, where, like with Laura, it was physical attraction. It's the first thing that I saw. Song of Solomon, chapter one, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. So this is Solomon and and a woman that loves him, and this is their dialogue back and forth. All right. So she starts first. This is how a book of the Bible begins. Let him kiss me. With the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Or as we would say in the South, those kisses are better than my mama's sweet tea. The savor of your good ointments. Your name is an ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love you. Draw me. We will run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. The upright love you. I am black. You got to know about me. I'm, I'm dark but comely. Oh, you daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. She says, look, I love you, but don't look upon me. 
because I am black, because the sun has looked upon me. So her skin is very dark because she has had to labor and work outside. And that becomes more apparent through this text. She has not had a life of ease. That has not been her life. And she says, I don't know if you need to look at me because you'll be able to tell from how dark my skin is that I've not had a life of ease. I've, I've had to work and labor. Look not upon me because I am black, because the sun has looked on me, has been shining on me. My mother's children were angry with me, and they made me the keeper of the vineyards. But my own vineyard have I not kept. I have been working, taking care of family responsibilities. So Solomon, I'm afraid that you cannot love me because I do not, I, I do not look outwardly like all the other girls. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Attraction, physical attraction is found in the Bible. It's not only found in the Bible, but physical attraction is sanctioned in different places in Scripture. Song of Solomon's again, verse 2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's how it, how it starts. This girl wants Solomon to kiss her, and just looking at him makes her heart thump with gladness. To put this in 21st century vernacular, a book of the Bible basically begins with a girl saying, Ladies, Solomon is eye candy all day long. Should we be surprised by this? Maybe not. Last week we saw that one of the first things Adam ever did was compose a love song to Eve after he saw her. From the first love song in the Bible where Adam extols that, that Eve is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Look at what God has done from the first love song in the garden on to the immediate attraction of Jacob to Rachel in Genesis 29, where Jacob says, where the Bible says that he saw her and he thought, she is beautiful in both form and appearance. The scriptures do not belittle physical attraction. They make clear that there is more to romance, more than what we would call dating, more to courting, more to marriage than physical attraction. There is more... But all things being equal, God is glorified when you properly find His creation attractive. By the way, by the way, here's a word for those that are well past dating. Even as your love for your spouse deepens in character, and how does that happen? How does your love for your spouse deepen. Well, I can tell you from my marriage to Laura. Your love deepens as she learns your faults, as you learn her hurts, as she, lo as she learns his sins. Your love begins to take on a character you could never have imagined. But in the midst of all that, the Bible says, that you are still to pursue physical attraction with your love. Another verse of the Bible that we don't often quote, but we need to remember. Proverbs 5.19 A son is told this about his wife. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. 
be intoxicated always in her love. He is saying the two of you are to continue to work on attraction towards one another. You are not to flee the wife of your youth. You are not to chase after what Proverbs sort of describes as the painted lady. You are not to go after that. But the two of you together are to continue to find delight with one another. So attraction is a good thing even after you're married. Now it takes on a different form. Uh, attraction for men, Laura and I, on, on Friday we went uh, to visit with Barry and Lindsay. Barry, Barry uh, I'm so happy for Barry. For years he and Lindsay lived in a, in a mobile home. And Barry basically built his house. I mean he along with his dad and one of the guys built his house. And, and went to go see his house Friday night. And it, I was, I mean, I've been excited for Barry and Lindsay about this. And went to go see their house and, and, and the handiwork that he had done. And, I mean, it was amazing. But before I went, I asked my wife. I brought her four shirts, all four of which I think she probably bought, okay? And I brought them to her, and I said, which shirt do you want me to wear? Why did I ask her that? Because I wanted to please her. As we went to spend time with this family, and it, was, it, it wasn't exactly a date, but I mean, it was, it was, we were going to eat a meal together and, 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 and do some stuff. And I, th- I thought, what do you want me to look like? Because I have a responsibility to continue in this relationship to try to please you within reason. Attraction is a good thing after you're married. You need, you need to consider what your spouse thinks is attractive and not attractive. Now, should they run all your life? Should they pick it? I mean, should, I mean, ladies, if your guy says you got to wear this, this is no, no, no. I don't, I don't. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying, if we both actually love each other, the way that the Bible says, we will both willingly submit to one another in this area, and strive, strive to continue to grow this relationship. It starts when you're dating, and it should continue through. Marriage. By the way, why do I have a beard again? Because my wife has been after me since I shaved it to grow it back. So it's back. We have a responsibility. He says, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. And he says, be intoxicated with her. Three things you need to know, though. So the Bible strongly says that it's okay to be attracted to somebody else. And it extols this and it shows the goodness of it. There are some things we need to remember. And these are the notes, teenagers, that you need to take along with all of us. Number one, the first thing we need to know as we pursue relationships, and we have this relationship goal of attraction to one another, as this is pursued, we need to remember that beauty is often deceitful. The same book of the Bible that tells a man to delight in the body of his wife also warns a son to not allow himself to become completely captured by a woman. You can be captivated, but do not be captured, my son. Why in Proverbs is the the same book of the Bible that says to delight uh, in your spouse? Why does it also warn about being just captivated by outward appearance? Because if you are captured... If you read Proverbs, which a lot of it is about helping his son to walk on a path, will he not be captured by sin? And he tells all kinds of sin, from going into debt, from, 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 from uh, how you treat your spouse, from chasing after prostitutes, basically. 
Proverbs is, 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 here's how you walk, here's how you live. And a part of this, my son, if you will do this, you will not be captured by sin. What happens when you're captured by sin? You're no longer appreciating physical attraction, but you are enslaved to it. You no longer do what is right. You no longer walk along the path of the Lord because you've been captured by the physical attraction of someone else and has now led you away from where God wants. So you're no longer appreciating the beauty of God. The devil has twisted it, and physical attraction has taken on everything. Instead of God being everything, and physical attraction being expressed and controlled with an understanding of who God is, now God is no longer Lord of your life, but your slavery to this woman or this man and what they look like and how they appear, this has now become your God. And so Proverbs says, my son, the same same one says, enjoy this goodness, says do not become enslaved to this. Listen, studies, some studies I looked at this week, they show that people we consider beautiful, we often let them get away with things. We don't let anyone else. We often, studies show, allow people that we consider to be beautiful to manipulate us in ways that we typically would not do. So the Bible says, do not fall for that trap. Beware of physically attractive people who are spiritually deceptive. Physical beauty, this is not in the Bible, but it it resonates with Proverbs. Physical beauty is only skin deep. The skin deep beauty of Bathsheba and Delilah and the skin deep beauty of David and Samson led to big trouble for not only those individuals but the families and the nations that got caught up in the sin between these people. Do not allow beauty to deceive you. We all know the horror stories or a man or a woman that that forsook their family, that forsook those that they love, that forsook the work of the Lord to chase after someone who they found attractive. And and the same Bible that says it it is good to be attracted to God's creation gives a warning to remember that beauty is deceitful. And I would say, especially those that are dating, but it's as true for those of us that are married, we need to remember this, that beauty, outward beauty, can deceive. So we, on this Sunday, something we typically don't do, we need to give God glory through this sermon and as we think about it for physical attraction, but as we give God glory for this good thing, Remember that beauty is often deceitful. And secondly, remember that beauty is ever-shifting. It is ever-changing. What do I mean by that? What I mean is you better be careful about putting too much stock in that physical appearance because what is considered to be physically attracted today in a society will change tomorrow. What you personally at this stage in your life find physically attractive about someone may change over time. So you need to be careful because beauty is ever shifting. For example, now I don't know if this is true today, but this was true for centuries. For centuries in many Asian countries, women would use creams to bleach their skin as white as possible, to make it as light as possible. Why? I don't don't know, 
But my guess would be in many cultures that's been done because the, the wider you are, the more it looks like you haven't been outside working. You, haven't been, you, you don't have to do that kind of thing. You've, you, you've got more wealth. You've got more money. Somebody else does the work for you. You've arrived at a, at, a, at a status point. I don't know if that's why they do that. Maybe it's a religion thing is why they do that. But for centuries in Asia, many countries creams to make themselves look as white as possible. Well, that's the opposite of what happens in lots of America where lots of women spend lots of time soaking up the sun to get as bronzed as possible. Women of the Middle Ages would consider thin women of today sickly. They would wonder, like, what's wrong with you that you're that thin? Guys, ladies, if there was a fairest of the fair in the Middle Ages, the ladies that walked up there, not talking obese, but I'm just talking in general look, we would look at them and think, why, why, where, where are the thin girls at? What, what is going on? What does all this mean? It means beauty shifts. And that ought to be a warning to those of us who have the wisdom of the Lord that we don't need to get too caught up in that. Because if it shifts this much from place to place and time to time and age to age, that needs to be a warning to us that God wants more for us than just the changes of physical attraction. Men, I hate to tell you this, and there are groups that, that, that there are subgroups within these groups that don't apply, but men, what ladies consider attractive, it seems it changes with every decade. After the 60s, men were supposed to embrace their sensitive side. Then in the late 70s and early 80s, the macho men returned. Then we had the metrosexuals, and the response to that was the beards of the duck dynasties. Today we have the sensitive millennial types. Physical attraction matters, but it changes, and we do not need to be a slave to these, these changes that are going on. We don't need to be a slave to that. We need to be a servant of the living God. And so, yes, extol attraction. Strive for attraction with the one that God has called you to love, but do not be a slave to beauty because beauty is deceitful and beauty is ever shifting. And thirdly and finally, on this Lord's day, where we have sung the anthems of Jesus, we have confessed to that last song how good He's been in our lives. Remember that true beauty True beauty is located within. True beauty is not found in just the outward. It is located within the heart. Look at verse 3 again, if you have your Bible. Look at verse 3, and I'm going to read this. Listen, maybe you missed this. Maybe the shock of like a book of the Bible starting with talking about kissing, maybe that kind of threw you off. Listen to verse 3 again at what this word says. She says... To Solomon, because of the savior, savor of your good ointments. What is this good ointment that, that is so sweet and overpowering to her? Your name, your character. It is an ointment that is poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins, therefore, do the single girls, the available girls, therefore, do they love you. It is your character, Solomon. It is your name. Yes, I'd love to kiss that boy. I would love to do that, she says. And she wants everybody to know. She's, 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 she's putting it down. 
I want people to know this. But more than that, Solomon, it is your youthful wisdom and love of God that Solomon had when he was young. That, Solomon, is what is so good about you. So students, listen to me. The upper Cumberland is filled with men and women that are in good shape. And they look good outwardly. And they may even wear a cloak of godliness. But underneath the cloak is selfish sin. Youthful Solomon had more than looks. He was wise. He was wise in the ways of God. His reputation was good. So good that when the name of Solomon was spoken, it was like a fragrant smell. And I don't know what those of you that have children want for your children. But much more, much more than I want my my son to to, 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 to marry or, or to date the most attractive girl. I want the name of my child to be a good name because he loves God. He loves God. Wor- one of the worst days of my life as a teenager when it comes to this kind of thing. I was not allowed to have girls in my house without my parents there, which is a really good rule. I was not allowed to have this. For summertime, my parents weren't always around. And there was this girl that I uh, one day came over to my house, and I did not take her inside. We stayed outside. We stayed outside. We didn't even go inside. But, I mean, honestly, she had on, like, the shortest shorts you could possibly imagine. She had on a shirt that was showing way too much, and... uh, and I was not disappointed in that. I'm your typical teenage boy. I mean, you know. And uh, outside. And the thing is, uh, Rachel Sutton, who lived in my street, she had a little beef with this girl. And Rachel drove down the street and saw me, and she got, like, angry. I could sense it through the car that Rachel was mad at me. Because Rachel's kind of like a big sister to me since we moved there. And, I mean, on we college together I mean just all kinds of things I mean she was not happy so I already knew I've got I've got one woman at the end of the street that's really mad at me and then lo and behold my mom came home before the girl left my mom doesn't usually express her anger she did that day and I remember that day my mom had to call her down he's like Sandra They were in the yard. The neighbors are around, all right? You know, just calm down. She was upset. It made me really mad. My mom got upset at me that day. This is how girls dress now, Mom. This is what guys and girls do. Why are you mad at me? We weren't even inside. We were outside. Why are you upset? But now that I have kids of my own, understand. Parents, if you understand, say amen. Beauty, true beauty, is not about just the outward. Because you can have on a cloak that looks good. Even a cloak of godliness. But underneath is something else. Solomon's reputation was so good that when his name was spoken, spoken, it was like a fragrant smell so take care of the outer body but remember that character is of utmost importance the physical beauty is good but it is only outwardly good and what is going on inside you will affect your soul 
your eternity, who you really are in this life. Solomon's outward looks were attractive, but look what his Look what his love also says in the second half of verse 4. Look at what she says in the second half of verse 4. We will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. And then this little phrase, the upright love you. Those that are upright love you. This speaks to the God-shaped character of Solomon. That the upright, when they saw him, saw him and knew this is a man who loves God. When we look at people, especially those of you that are going to be dating, those of you that are in relationships, listen. Listen. Ask God to help you look beyond the outward complexion. Ask Him to give you the wisdom to begin to see the complexion of the person's heart that you are interested in. Let's let's wind this down. Look at verse 5 and 6. She says, I am black but comely. She's beautiful. She's got a good body. She's like, I'm good to look at. But Solomon, I'm, I'm, I'm dark. Daughters of Jerusalem is the tents of Kedar, is the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me because I am black. Solomon, please don't just see this sun-scarred sin The sun has looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. But my own vineyard, my own body, I've I've not been able to give it the attention because of the work. In our day and age, most of us do not understand this. But there are some who sit in this room that you do because you were older and life was different. We have so many products We have air-conditioned homes. We're able to go to the store and get what we need. But some of you in this room, you had a mama that worked and labored and poured her heart out. And God knows that she never got in this life the things that you wanted to give her. And so when she sings those songs that maybe some of us should not be singing because we've already got it all right now, maybe we need to be confessing that, God, you've been too good to us. You understand why folks used to sing those songs because your mama didn't have anything in this life, but God's got something waiting for her. She says, Solomon, I love you. And I am so attracted to you. Solomon, how could you ever love me? Because I've not been able to take care of myself because of the work that I have done. You know the great thing about God? Is it is not because of our good works. It's not because we're righteous that kept us from Him. We were not perfect in appearance either. But not because of good things, but because of sin. And yet God, like Solomon, saw saw something else in us. God saw something better that you could be, what he created and made you to be in the beginning. It's what God looked at the scars of your complected body from sin and what it has done to you and what it's done to the inside. The sun will hurt the outside, but sin destroys the end. But as the Shirus sang about, God saw that and he came and he died for you anyway. That is love. That is love. 
And this woman could not take care of herself because she was busy working, busy helping her family. Yet another reminder in Scripture, outward beauty is good, but it takes much more to make a truly beautiful person. So what are these three B's of beauty that we want to take with us today? It's a teaching sermon today. Remember that beauty, outward beauty, is often deceitful. That beauty is ever-shifting. But true beauty is located within. That is why we are drawn to Jesus. We conclude today acknowledging we are drawn to Jesus because Jesus is the one who had the true and perfect inner beauty. Did Jesus have flawless skin? I doubt it. He's walking around with no place to lay his head. He had a carpenter's life. I'm sure those hands were probably, it probably wasn't just the nail scars that were on those hands. I'm sure from the woodworking, we, we think that he probably did with his father. We know from a life, he had, to, he had to flee to Egypt as a young child and then come back and then he spends his earthly ministry uh, wandering around and going out and going on fast and things that would, that would, that would change his body. But it's never been about the inner or the outer beauty of Christ. It has been the inner beauty. Not that Jesus had flawless skin that we are so easily drawn to in this world, but that Jesus had a heart that was perfect in its connection to Father God. You see, that is the attraction that we need most and that we should seek is to be connected to Father God as Jesus was. So let Jesus forgive your sin. Let Jesus change you. And then, and only then, will you be attractive to the one who matters most. The Lord God, your maker. If you are glad for the attractiveness of Christ, say amen. Amen. I really, this is God's word. And I can tell from the attentiveness that this is a word we need. But I really have no idea how to end a service with this kind of message. It's just something to think on, to dwell in, to, to praise God for how good He is, for making other people that we can look at and, and appreciate their, their qualities. We think about Jesus, what He has done for us. So I think today I just want to end with that song. I just want us to thank God for how good He is. And I want you to leave today if you're married and you haven't thought in a long time about how to treat your spouse and how to the importance of attractiveness and what that may look like at your stage of life, then you need to go home and think about that. If you're a young person today, listen, you need to think deeply today. I don't want it to end right here. I want you to think deeply, and next week we'll talk about dating again. It's going to come from a different angle. But I want you to think deeply and ask the Lord to help you to not be enslaved or the outward appearance of another person, even as you appreciate who they are. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you that we've been able to come to worship. Thank you that you have been good to us. Lord, thank you that you have made other people. Father God, I thank you for my wife and the joys of a relationship together. Lord, I pray for those that are dating. Lord, help them to seek your will and your way in this. Lord, help those that are married to continue to pursue all that you have for marriage. Father God, be with your people this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name.